murder lovers, this is Bree. This is Fatima. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Well, fortunately, our little podcast setup is uh, mobile. Yeah. <laughs> We're coming at you guys from a new location. So if there's any uh, weird background noise, um, everything's all good in life. Uh, but this last week has brought me and my family to the hospital so we're recording from a little room in the lobby yep. and uh yeah it's gonna be fun so thank god fatina can bring everything to me first and time we tried it and it's working it's I think. working so far so again if you hear noises in the background we're in a room that has existing computers so yep there's nothing we could do about that nope. but here we are here we are look at that coming at you yep. another episode <laughs> Well, I promised you guys that this episode would be um, kind of a longer one to make up for the week that we were off, so I'm really excited to cover this case. It's something a little bit different than what we normally do. I'll just go ahead and preference that this is not a murder case, Oh, but it's still, like, it's still a good true crime. Okay. It has a lot of, it has a lot to do with grooming. Oh. And kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. All that. So we will just go ahead and get right into it. Cool. This is the case of Elizabeth Thomas and Tad Cummings. Never Ring any bells? No bells. No. Mm-mm. So to cover just a little brief bit about Elizabeth's upbringing, um, she was born in, I believe it is Kulioka, C-U-L-L-E-O-K-A, Kulioka, Tennessee, Again, like a super, super small country town. Gotcha. Very, very rural farms. I mean, you can imagine Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anything small outside. Town. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was, you know, your typical teen, kind of a little bit of a tomboy. She had one sister. Her name was Sarah, and they were both homeschooled by their mom. So weren't ever in the public school system growing up. And within the household, there was a lot of abuse behind closed doors mm. from their mom to the two oh. girls. Okay. Was very physically violent. There was a situation that escalated one day where the mom actually came at Elizabeth's sister, Sarah, and hit her in the head with a two-by-four. Jeez. Just... Yeah. That's a that's a big item to be striking a kid with. So big. Not or just anything. But, anything. Yeah. Not just, you know, your little slaps and stuff like that, no. which again is still not okay, yeah. but breaking out a two by four is pretty wow. intense. Yeah, that's intense. The girls actually hit a breaking point after this incident had happened and they took it upon themselves to write a letter to DHS. Oh. And turn their mom in. Good for them. Which is something that you like never I didn't hear know you about. could write a letter in. <laughs> yeah, me either. But that's that's apparently the way that they went about it. And, you know, their dad, he was kind of unaware of the abuse. I think that the whole two-by-four situation was probably, like, the most escalated that it got. So I'm not sure that these girls showed a lot of, like, oh. outward, like, bruises Physical and bumps signs. and stuff like that. And so, you know, the dad worked long hours. And so, yeah, the dad didn't even find out about all this abuse until the police and a caseworker showed up to investigate what was going on. From the letter. From the letter that the girls sent. So he's totally blindsided. And, you know, they they pick up the mom. And long story short, she ends up being charged with five counts of abuse and neglect. And she moved from the home. 
oh. I don't know what her what her jail time was necessarily, but mm-hmm. it just kind of sounds like mom just like completely up and left at this point, and there wasn't really much of a relationship after that. So the girls at this point, you know, they had been homeschooled by their mom their whole life, so they are now going into public school because oh, right. dad needs to still work Go and everything. Work. The girls still needed an education. And so they move into public school, and this, again, is like, you know, your typical small town setup where it's like K through 12 yeah. in one school. And it, public school is really, really overwhelming as far as, like, Elizabeth claims it to, to be when she first, you know, enrolled there. Very overwhelming, very confusing. You know, you're used to being in a home, and now you've got halls and classrooms and bells and right. timelines and kids that you maybe know from seeing throughout town, but, you know, you, you don't know don't them really know in that them. situation. Exactly. Yeah. And she's like 15 at this point. So entering oh. a school for the first time at 15, not only is that like a stressful age yeah. in of itself and kids are really mean, but now you're like the new girl at school. Right. And... I don't know. Just that social aspect. I was going to say, maybe you don't have all of your social cues, like, finely tuned. Yeah. So. Like, who do you sit with at recess? Exactly. Or is there, I don't know if there's recess (laughs) at that point. (laughs) I'm obsessed with recess, but. Some of the kids were having recess. But just in general, like, who do you sit with at lunch? Exactly. You you know, you just, ah, that's, that's hard. That's stressful. Such a tough transition. And, you know, the kids inevitably they did tease Elizabeth they called her ugly and I know it's so kids are mean kids are mean fucking middle school high school awful and this is where Elizabeth meets Tad Cummins he is a health and science teacher at the school and he really like kind of gravitated towards her he would stick up for her when students picked on her he kind of really really quickly became this like safe space for Uh, her and he was also kind of the cool teacher yeah like didn't really care about cell phones in class as long as you were doing your work he didn't mind being called on a first name basis he didn't have Mm. to be Mr. Cummins you know he was fine with kids calling him Tad which I remember having teachers like that, yeah. you know, at least one in high school where yeah. it's like, that's the cool teacher. That's the class everybody wants, you know, to <laughs> I be remember in. the one in my high school, but he could have also, from where I think the story is going, was also another dad coming. Yeah, that's yeah. the same thing with the teacher that yep. I'm thinking <laughs> of, too. <laughs> Did I ever? <laughs> Never mind. I'll save we'll the story for later. another time. Yep. <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, he was kind of the rule bender and was kind of really the only person that she could talk to. And she specifically mentions this one incident, which just introduces you to his creep factor. She was at lunch one day sitting in the cafeteria and, and sitting with some friends that she had made. And one of them asked her, like, oh, why aren't you eating lunch? And she made some comment like, well, I, I don't have a soul and you don't need to eat if you don't have a soul. And Tad That's overheard dark. her. Yeah, Tad overheard her and he said, my soul sees your soul. Wait. <laughs> I wish we were doing video sometimes. <laughs> my face right now is of disgust and what the hellness? Seriously. And I could see like, oh, you know, you're trying to be like really like, I don't know, poetic and <laughs> metaphorical. But also when you look at the big picture, you can take a step back. Like 
that's a fucking mm. weird ass comment to from be making teacher, from too. a teacher. Like if had it been another student around her age, I would have been like, man, that kid's a little bit above his ears. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Beyond his ears. But no, if it's coming from a teacher. It's a little uncomfortable. He, uh, it, it tiptoes so the line cringe. of inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cringe. <laughs> So to talk about Tad a little bit, you know, he's this really seemingly normal guy. He met his wife, Jill, when she was 18 or he was 18 and she was 17. They had two daughters. They're a very typical couple. They were very involved in their church. He had a clean record, never as much as a parking ticket, Mm. you know, just this really, really clean cut guy. And his daughters describe him, you know, as being their protector and their rock. Like, they really, really looked up to their dad. Okay. You know, he had all the the qualities that a child would want to... How old was he at this point? He's, like, roughly in his 50s. Like, oh. l- late 40s, 50. Okay. Yeah. In my head, I was picturing, like, fresh out of college teacher. No. Or, you know, okay. He's not the hot teacher. No. He's the dad. Wow. Yeah. He's He's older. Okay. Not old, but older. Older. Yes. <laughs> old enough to know not to be saying that in the lunchroom. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so teaching was actually his second career. Before he was a teacher, he was a respiratory therapist. Oh. So he was working with somebody who would have like cardiac and pulmonary disease and mm-hmm. and whatnot. Really interesting. I was like, oh, I got to look up what respiratory therapist actually means. I actually wanted to be that for a while. Oh, really? I did. That's funny. It would be a cool job, but also like really intense. I mean, you kind of, you need to breathe. Yeah. To live. And then you're also working with people that have heart conditions. Right. Yeah. So very, very intense um, profession. And we kind of start to see like this little glimpses of this other side of Tad's personality there is an interview with an old coworker of his, and he kind of points out some of Tad's like odd behavior. He would call this coworker stupid. He didn't take no well as an answer, like really kind of mm. didn't like to be told what to do. And so it kind of wasn't a surprise that he, meaning Tad, would take a less lucrative job to be in a position of a teacher, of authority, mm-hmm. where people aren't going to tell you no very often. Right. So it just kind of seemed like, you know, he wasn't really super into that. And his family said that they had never seen him happier in a job. Like, he really loved working mm. with the kids. He wanted to help counsel the students. And that, you know, kind of appeared to be what he was doing with Elizabeth when you know, they started this initial relationship and helping her make that transition from homeschool to public school and learning how to make friends and be in this new environment. Right. Just helping her navigate through that new phase in her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's teaching middle, like freshman, middle It sounds school-ish. that way. Yeah. It sounds okay. like maybe freshman, sophomore, right. some okay. of the older, older kids. And so now we kind of move into where a lot of the grooming starts to happen. So throughout this, you know, he would start off by making Elizabeth feel like she didn't have anyone else to talk to. Not that he was like super isolating her, but he really like honed in on the fact of like, 
I want this girl to rely on me and mm-hmm. depend on me and feel that I'm a safe space for her. Like no one else will understand you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And even to the point where he dissuaded her from seeking an actual therapist to deal wow. with some of the problems, you know, the abuse that she mm-hmm. had experienced when she was younger, well, and at her current age as well, and kind of encouraged her to not get on antidepressants. Like, I guess she had expressed to him, you know, I I think I need to go to a therapist and maybe look at antidepressants. And he was basically like, no, you don't need any of that. You just come and talk to me. Weird. Super weird. Yeah. I get that that's not everybody's cup of tea, but... Right. Also, you know, if someone's expressing like, "Hey, I think I want to do this for my mental health." Like, right. you don't tell them no. If someone's gotten to that point, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's the first step, like mm-hmm. re- recognizing that you need help. Exactly. And then for someone to tell you no, you don't need it. Mm-hmm. It just, I'm sure, sets you back. Absolutely. And you start to question yourself because right. you're like, okay, this is an adult that I trust. Maybe I don't need that. And then we start to see their relationship progress from the classroom into this next phase. And so he took Elizabeth and he introduced her to his family. His wife just like really, really loved Elizabeth and even called her like their third daughter. So she started to have a, a pretty close relationship with his family really quickly He would even give her money. He would keep food in the classroom for her. He bought a microwave for his classroom specifically for her so she could, like, heat up her coffee or heat up food. And so doing a lot of these little extra things to give her special attention. Yeah. Win favor with her. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And he even, you know, he was a man that went to church. He even gave her a Bible. You know, this showed her that he was a really strong man of faith. And he brought her to church one time to listen specifically to a sermon about navigating through abuse, which is wonderful. That's great. You know, bring someone to church that, you know, the topic that's going to be discussed will really hit home with them. I think that's wonderful. But his intentions were not that pure. And... Once again, this whole time, he's just he's just slowly building her trust. He's kind of hitting all these four corners of safe space at school. Now we have a relationship outside of the classroom. You've met my family. Mm-hmm. I've taken you to church. I am this all-encompassing. Anything you need, you can come to me. Exactly. Any yeah. facet of your life, I'm your person. Even food. Even food. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's... Money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, he was giving her money? He's giving her money. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, she just overall viewed him as a a guardian and a mentor, and he was providing a lot of the stability and structure in her life that she didn't have. I mean, Dad is still kind of working all the time, and the girls are going to school, and probably Dad isn't there right when they get home at the end of the day. And not only that, but I think also coming from a homeschool environment and going into public school, she probably doesn't have a healthy definition of what a relationship with an adult is supposed to be like. Exactly. And not saying that homeschool doesn't introduce you to that, but it sounds like she was already in an abusive relationship at home mm-hmm. with her mom. And so going into high school, it was a blank page for her. Yeah. She didn't know what to expect. Exactly. So she probably thought that to a certain extent, this is probably what any adult would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And so Elizabeth, you know, she, she does this big interview after all this whole situation has played out. And she talks about, you know, after kind of building this initial relationship, how their relationship started to intensify. And she talks about him starting to pay her more attention in class, coming and sitting at her table. And then it kind of escalated really quickly to where they started talking through Instagram. And he would make a fake account, and he had encouraged her to make a fake account as well. And this was kind of their secret way of communicating. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, I mean, what did somebody call it? Red flag. A Finsta account. Yeah. No, super big red flag. Oh, my God. Like, why do we need these secret social media pages? But, again, it just intensified super, super quickly. So once the, once that he made his and she made hers, he would start posting things on that page with little quotes that said things like, it was love at first sight, at last sight, at ever and ever sight. And then others that said, you're all my heart ever talks about. And then she would reciprocate and respond with posts that would say things like, I look forward to going to school just to see you, and I love you so much. (gasps) Wow. And I'm just like, just watching it from her standpoint, knowing what his intention is, like watching her kind of go along with it. Yeah. Because I truly don't think that throughout all of this that that's the relationship that she really wanted. Right. And we're going to dive, you know, obviously way more in depth into this, but... It's just wild to see how quickly the grooming can happen. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure. Like you were saying, you know, she didn't really know what a normal adult to child relationship looks like with somebody other than someone that would be a parent. Right. I mean, I'm sure she had maybe other relatives. I can't confirm that, but, you know. And it's not out of the realm of possibilities either to think, you know, any kid girl or boy would have a crush on one of their teachers right because that happened a hundred percent let me tell you in college it really happened <laughs> but no i mean you're seriously, at least over 18 at you're that at least, point you know, you're of age so but i think it it happens where you know you think someone is handsome or pretty or whatever mm-hmm. and as a teenager that's just starting to hone in on like trying to figure out those feelings totally and when someone gives you attention and takes advantage of you like that you're like oh this is normal develop so quickly for sure yeah and it's just pretty disgusting to see someone take advantage of preying on the on that half of the equation it's truly truly wild and it gets even wilder so you know, the, the secret communication was totally a way to make Elizabeth feel special. Like, oh, gr- for sure. Grooming 101. And then he would start to D- DM her essentially sexting messages. And he sent her one one time that said, saw you standing next to the locker this morning with your backpack on. And I thought to myself, that's a nice ass right there. <gasps> yeah. Oh, so he wasn't even trying to hide it no. anymore. I mean, he was through, like, like DMing, you know, they weren't, yeah. like, direct text messages, so kind of, but not really. I mean, at this point, he's getting very outwardly with his... Advances. <laughs> his advances. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. He just took it there. Oh, yeah. He just went from zero to 60. Yeah, because it went from, like, posts that could be interpreted mm-hmm. about you or not about you. Right. Just, you know... 
just no, straight whatever. to that's a nice ass. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Saw you saying in the hallway. Yeah, it's fucking disgusting. And she would, I mean, still after this, you know, she would still hang out in his classroom alone. And one day he said to her, you would look pretty nice naked. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just Damn. truly wild. He's truly, truly wild. And then it escalates even further. One day he was alone in his classroom with Elizabeth and he grabbed her face and he kissed her. She would end up not telling anyone about this incident that happened with him kissing her. And she also worked at a local fast food chain and he would come to visit her at work on her breaks and she would go out into the parking lot, sit with him in his car, and you can understand where things (gasps) went from there. Yes. Oh, my God. Wasn't ever disclosed specifically what happened, but I think we can all guess that, you know... Things there were happen in the inappropriate car. things happening between a 50-year-old and a 15-year-old. Oh, my God. And this would eventually lead him into getting more and more bold. This guy is just absolutely mind-blowing. He, back to the classroom, this would then lead him to pulling her into the closet in his classroom for her to perform sexual <gasps> acts on him. No. Yes. In the classroom? In the classroom, in the closet. And Elizabeth talks about, you know, being really fearful at this point in time because she's like, if he, if I didn't do what he wanted, you know, I didn't want him to be upset. Right. And so now she's just all sorts in front of, like, you know, she would feel shame and embarrassed if she, the secret got out. Exactly. Exactly. And the secret eventually does get out. And that leads us to one of the big kind of pivotal points Um, Again, this is a a school that's K through 12, and a 12-year-old student walks into Tad's class one day looking for her backpack, so he obviously taught kids a little bit younger than what we originally talked about. Um, She walked into his classroom looking for her backpack, and she actually catches Elizabeth and Tad kissing. Damn. And so this girl immediately runs to the administrators, tells them what she saw. Yeah, good on her. Thank God. And the school immediately investigates and pulls Elizabeth from his classes and puts in place a no-contact order between her and Tad. They should have fired him. Absolutely. They didn't fire him on the spot? Not on the spot. I mean... Those unions. Those two unions. I mean, in his defense, he's kind of at least owed an investigation, Sure. I know I know that we know how this is probably going to all play out, yeah. but you know, like I understand that the school has to cross all their T's and dot sure. all if their I's. Sure. If you're walking in completely and you you all of a sudden get this 12-year-old saying, "This is what I just saw." Sure. I would I would say let's sit them down and talk, but Right. I would say get them away from kids. Mm-hmm. During that investigation at exactly. the very fucking least. Absolutely. 100%. Oh my God. It's not like, oh, I caught him giving her a joint or I caught... Right. Even then. Even then. But, you know, it's not... Oh, good gravy. I know. I know. We'll work on the school system. Yeah. I can, you know who's <laughs> going to write a letter? I'm going to write a letter to that principal. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Which you should because she was she was kind of shady in some, some parts of this. But, you know, so word gets out in the school about... 
Elizabeth yeah. and Tad being seen kissing. The kids started to tease Elizabeth and give her a really hard time about it. And a lot of the kids really, really liked him and hadn't seen this part of him. And so they're kind of like pissed at her and thinking oh. that she's like ruining his life. That she was probably the pursuer mm-hmm. in this situation. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, kids. So feel, you know, obviously feel so bad for her because that is not her intention. No. And that's not the reality of the situation. But that's definitely what kids will do. Exactly. Kids won't understand what's happening. No. Or at that age even know that, hey, the adult in the situation literally has all the power. Yes. Absolutely. Excuse me. <laughs> that was like from deep in my depths. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> But they have all the power, and they and the the kid in the situation is quite literally helpless. I mean, they're the victim. Yeah, they 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 truly are. You cannot you cannot consent to this at this no. age at no. all. No. I mean, you can't convince me of that. You can't convince me otherwise. No, yeah, no. And, you know, with Tad kind of being the stand-up guy in society, his family has a really hard time believing all of these allegations. His wife stood in his corner for a very, very long time. and That's a bitch. Yeah. Because that happens so often. So often. I always feel so bad for the wives in these situations because they're just totally being played and taken yeah. for a fool. Well, everyone around them. Mm-hmm. So they get that benefit of the doubt. From their community. Exactly. Because they're like, well, we've never seen him kill mm-hmm. a fly. And I'm such a stand-up person. I barely, right. I don't even have a parking ticket. And I'm involved right. in my church. Exactly. And I have this cookie-cutter family. And, yeah, I mean, how often do we see that? Way too often. Oh, it's, in every it's the, one of these cases, they're usually starting off like an outstanding member of their community. Exactly. It's mind-boggling. But that's that's how they that's how they play it. That's though. how they play it. It's it's totally all planned out like that. Sadly, as the school investigates, they can't exactly confirm that there was a kiss. No, they only have this one witness. They don't have cameras in the classroom or anything oh like that, God. and so they can't confirm that this, you know, allegation holds any ounce of truth. But then the local sheriff's department does get involved and wants to interview Elizabeth. Oh, good. So they end up catching wind about the situation. And Elizabeth tells them that she went into his class one day after school when she was upset, and that's why Tad was probably so close to her, but denies that there was ever a kiss. The only contact she claims is that he grabbed her hands and told her to calm down. Yeah. And then they also bring in Tad to interrogate him. And I don't know if they've done, like, the typical, like, duo interrogation where they bring them in at the same time. Mm. Because they are still under a no-contact order. Mm. Or if they bring them in at separate times, which we can see, you know, sometimes claims can get muddy when people are coming in at separate times. I do like it when they, same time, different rooms, so they can go back and forth whoever's investigating exactly or share notes with the other person right or or she's in the other room and she's saying this so what do you have to say about that yeah it's the best love that and so according to tad he said that elizabeth had an anxiety attack and she came in to help him calm her down he claims that the closest that they got was him putting his hand on her arm or her shoulder 
They then confront him with her version that he had grabbed her by both of her wrists, got very close to her, and tells her to calm down. His story started to waver, you know, and he says, it's very possible that's how it happened, you know. He kind of plays this whole, like, you know, it could have happened that way, it could have happened this way, I don't really recall. Right, he's playing like the, oh, it wasn't a big deal, so I wasn't, like, paying attention to my actions. core memory. Right. Yeah, exactly. But the investigators really start to work him, and then he says that it's possible that he could have hugged her. He just cannot keep his story straight, though. Mm. I mean, it's just going from grabbing her wrist to maybe touching her shoulder to maybe touching her arm to maybe giving her a hug. And so, you know, they, they I think the investigators are like, okay, we're slowly starting to crack him on Unravel. this. Unravel, yeah. And Tad then offers to the police that Elizabeth had continued had continued to text him despite their no contact order. And when they asked him if they could see his phone, he said he had deleted them because they were inappropriate. And they're like, well, why would you do that? That would only benefit you if you could provide us with this evidence that she is contacting you and she's saying inappropriate things to you and you're not reciprocating. But the fact that you just said that she sent you text messages that were inappropriate and you deleted them, uh, red flag question mark question yeah. mark and then Tad just has like a full-blown breakdown in this interrogation and he denies any physical relationship he says that he's been faithful to his wife and that he was so scared to come in and talk to them that day because he thought there was a chance that he would be arrested because of all of these claims and it's like well dude why are you so nervous if you didn't do anything wrong right but, I mean, I guess I get it. You know, they're pretty serious claims, but it, you kind of just don't react like that no. if you didn't do anything wrong. And this part really blows my mind. So the whole time that this whole school investigation is going on, Dad is not aware of this case. <gasps> no. The school did not even reach out to the dad about it. Excuse me? He had to hear it from the police when they contacted him, and immediately her dad calls her and is like, you know, what the fuck is up with this story? Why do I have police telling me that there's this situation going on with you and a teacher at the school? And she pretty much tells him, oh, dad, it's not a big deal. Some girl was just making up a rumor. But dad is furious, and rightfully so. I'm surprised this didn't turn into a murder case. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. I know. He, I mean, he's livid. but he really some charges. Oh, for sure. Tyson has always said that. He's like, if we have a girl or mm, even a boy, you know, um, anyone touches my kid and they're going to become best friends with my... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to incriminate that. He hasn't done anything. But... (laughs) going to end up on a podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Let's just say there's going to be some charges. I'm going to end up on a podcast. But you don't fuck with people's kids. No. No. And so dad does end up hiring an attorney and the attorney pretty much writes a school to the letter and puts them on notice. That is pretty much like, keep this man away from my daughter or else like the school didn't contact me. What the hell is up with that? Like, I will fucking take you guys down if you do not keep this guy away from my daughter. He needs to not be in the school. That's unacceptable. So kudos to dad. Yeah. Like he did everything he absolutely should have. The school ends up suspending Tad the next day. Fucking finally. Finally. Um, claiming that it's because he broke the no contact order. And I don't know if that was just their way of, 
Not sugarcoating it. Like a way it. out of it. Mm-hmm. Because they did have some contact because yeah. he claims that she texted her. So just fire. Sure. Or, just you the know, technicality. Suspend. Exactly. Super technicality. Exactly. Okay. So he's suspended without pay, and this starts to make his wife really suspicious. So we get into March 2017. I don't know when all of this started, but I'm just assuming it's within the same school year. So mm. probably the previous fall is when all of this started. Gotcha. So now we're in March, you know, late of the school year. And Tad starts doing some weird things around the house. He starts showing his wife, Jill, how to make the coffee in the morning. And like, that was always his task. And she's kind of like, where, well, where are you going? Like, <laughs> did, did he think he was going to jail? And this yeah. is why he's showing her how to make the coffee in the morning. So she's very confused. And I mean, at this, at this point, the most serious charges <laughs> that he's looking at is a, is a misdemeanor at best for inappropriate for inappropriate Mm -hmm. okay exactly because they don't know anything else Mm -mm. because they're both denying they're both denying it and they haven't confirmed anything from this investigation it you know as far as the school's concerned a kiss is all that they're looking at maybe maybe right so he's really i mean yeah he's in some trouble like he would not ever be able to teach again (laughs) right but he's really not like in deep deep shit as far as they know, yeah, the, there's no felony. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. So about five weeks go by, and the family's getting really anxious for things to go back to normal. Um, the police really didn't have anything solid, and they wanted to be certain about any charges before they just go and ruin a man's life. Understandable. That's fair. It's fair. And so we're at Monday, March 13th, and Tad tells his wife that he has an interview with an old boss and he's going to take her car to go to this interview. And so at the same time that Tad's making these arrangements with his wife, Elizabeth is also at home packing her own bags. And she tells her sister, (laughs) she tells her sister that if she's not back by 6 p.m. that night to call the cops. And a friend of Elizabeth picks her up at 8 o'clock that morning, drives her to a local restaurant where she meets Tad, and her and Tad are on the road by 9 a.m. Shut up. Yep. So he's got her so wrapped and warped that he's like, we're going to pick up and go for a little drive. And I don't think she knew the extent of Well, if she's packing, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then also tells her sister, if I'm not back by 6 p.m. So this whole time, and this is why I don't think that Elizabeth truly wanted anything to do with this whole situation. Yeah. I think she feels very, I don't want to upset him. Threatened. So I'm going to do yeah. what he's asking of me. And so it's really, really sad to see that kind of play out. So Elizabeth is obviously, <laughs> well, she's gone longer than 6 p.m. Okay. And both parties are trying to contact Tad and Elizabeth with no luck. Dad tries to reach out to the police, and when Jill gets home from work that night, she finds a letter from Tad saying that he's gone somewhere to think. She does not call the police that night, but the next morning stating that her husband had essentially run away. And the note that he left her said, Jill, I am so sorry. I am on my way to Virginia Beach and maybe D.C. just to think and clear my head of all this crap. I am not running away. I'll be back. Don't call the police. They'll think I ran because I'm guilty and I'm not. 
I love you and I'll call you soon. Please forgive me. Love, Tad. So, again, Jill doesn't call the police that night. When she finds the letter, she calls them the next morning. And she tells the police that since they'd been worried about money because he had been off work for five weeks Mm -hmm. unpaid, that he had recently taken out a a loan for like $4,000. And when she went to their lockbox after finding the letter, all of the money was gone and both of his guns were missing as well. Oh, shit. And in that moment, Jill knew that the whole thing... Had gone to shit. Had gone to shit and that... He, he was lying. Yeah. And she was just completely blindsided. So now, you know, we have a 50-year-old on the run with a 15-year-old. And this is making big news. The police were incredibly concerned about her safety because his two guns were missing. So yeah. they're like, what is the intention behind all of that? And they also suspected that they were traveling in the opposite direction of where Tad said he went in his note. He said he Mm. was going to Virginia Beach and maybe D.C., which would have been east. They think that he's headed west and left that in the letter as kind of a a decoy to send them searching in the opposite direction. So an Amber Alert was put out by her second day missing. Multiple tip sightings come in. You know, which none none were credible, unfortunately, at this point. And the FBI became involved in the search and got involved very, very quickly. And the FBI goes to Tad's house to speak with his wife and to gather any information that they can. And Jill also tells them that in addition to the guns and the money that he took, that he had also... This is so disgusting... Jill tells the police that in addition to the guns and the money that were missing, that Tad had also recently refilled an erectile dysfunction medication days before leaving. Ew. So disgusting. (laughs) They also trace Tad's steps in the days prior to him leaving, and they catch him on camera at a local Walmart looking at women's hair dye. They gather. Yeah. He's, he had been planning for a little while. And they gather his cell phone number to try to track his and Elizabeth's phone on the run. And they can only find the latest ping near a bridge in Alabama. And then the trail goes completely dark. And at that point, the police believe that they had tossed their phones in the river. Damn. Where that bridge was. Yeah, this is not... I mean, it definitely does sound spur of the moment-ish as far as like what they're doing while they're on this trip. But before that, definitely some planning going into it. Oh, for sure. From him. A hundred percent on his part. Yeah, absolutely. Tad had even gone as far as to disable the GPS on the car, so he thought about that. And then I they must have caught him on camera somewhere or something because he was also found buying a physical map of the United States at a gas station. Yeah. So he was really trying to stay like off radar. Off grid, yeah. And they also know that he had taken camping gear with them in another attempt to stay off the grid. Um, Elizabeth later talks about how they uh, traveled back roads. They did a lot of car camping and stuff like that. He stole license plates and swapped them out on the car, on his wife's car. (laughs) And the trail started to go cold in Alabama where they, you know, had lost the latest ping of the of the cell phones and whatnot and the police start digging into some of his like computer records as well and in his search history they 
discovered that he had recently searched what states allow teenage marriage. Shut up. So, and not long after that, Elizabeth's, I believe it was her Instagram, um, you know, because you can have like the little caption underneath your bio. Wife popped up shortly. Ew. After her going missing. Oh my God, oh my God. Poor, poor girl. So by day eight missing, Jill and... Jill. Oh my God, they've been gone for eight days now. Now, yeah, we're fast forwarding a little bit. They've been wow. gone for eight days now. Jill, Tad's husband, and and then Elizabeth, Jill, Tad's husband, Jill, <laughs> Tad's wife, and Elizabeth's dad both make public statements on the news to their loved ones, just begging them to come home. And sadly, like some chatter starts in the community and people are talking about like, I think she went willingly and blah, 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 blah. And you know. I guess however the media wants to spin the story or people however are talk. exactly and there's some people that no matter uh, and this happens on almost any subject but no matter how much facts you put in front of them how much science you put in front of them and tell them like we said earlier this kid is the victim mm-hmm. the adult has all the power exactly the adult has all the wherewithal to like stop this. Mm-hmm. The kid doesn't know this. No. And there's going to be people who think they know better and they think, like you said, that she's going along willingly. No. No. It's so, it, it's just really mind boggling to me in, in situations like this to victim blame. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Victim the, blame. The minor. Right. It's like, Mm-mm. I don't know. Had it been two adults, consenting adults that were, you know, cheating on their respective partners and wanted to run away, absolutely. Sure. Blame them both. Absolutely. But in a situation like this, no, shut the fuck up. Start looking for the license plate. Exactly. 100%. So we fast forward about a week. We're at day 16 of them being missing and someone working the night shift at a Super 8 motel in Oklahoma City identified Tad Cummins and confirmed that he had stayed at the hotel about two weeks prior. Tad had rented a single-bed hotel room. He had also asked for directions to a local Walmart, and so the police go in and they pull surveillance from this Walmart that he had given them directions to. Both Tad and Elizabeth had very obviously dyed their hair. So they were trying to disguise themselves that way. Yeah. And, you know, finally the police have something to go off of. They have a next little landmark. Unfortunately, they're two weeks behind this. But now they can start moving in a direction where they think they're traveling. And they kind of went, like, really old school with the way that they went about the next part of their investigation. They're like, okay, well, they stayed at a Super 8 motel, so maybe that's going to be a trend of theirs. And Mm -hmm. so they literally pull up a list of like five to 600 super eight motels and just start cold calling. Damn. You went with the hundred. I thought you were going to say five or six. No, five to 600. Wow. Super eights. He's trying to get the reward points. So (laughs) he's trying to get that that free night. 
That's I, smart, though. Get that continental breakfast. Because it's true. People have gotten caught for the stupidest things. Like, mm-hmm. I know there's a case out there where the uh, a woman bought materials to kill her husband, and to save, like, 20 cents, she punched in her rewards card at oh the grocery store. Oh, my God. And that was the only reason they knew it was her on the video. That would be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you at a discount. <laughs> But yeah, she got caught because she put in her rewards number. Mm-hmm. She wanted, I think it was just like a, you know, a muscle reflex to put in your number. Sure, absolutely. And so, yeah, in this case, I can imagine him being like, oh, I get five nights and one for free. Hell uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to keep staying at eights. Exactly. God. I need that 10 cents off a gallon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it goes a long Comes way. Comes in handy days. nowadays. It does. It yeah. does, for sure. Um, so after they kind of go along this method of cold calling, they finally get a hit in Diamond, Oklahoma. Damn. And this is about three days later, so missing about 19 days. And Cummins checked in, like you were saying, with this lady with her number. He checked in with his own ID. And... <laughs> yeah. So stupid. They, again, had bought supplies at another Walmart. They pulled receipts. They had bought stuff like food, snacks, water, lubrication... Oh, uh. yeah. And Jeez. investigators don't know exactly where she is, but they have a good idea of where they're headed and they think that they're just continuing to head west. Now, what makes it difficult for them to kind of track these two is just how generic they look. I mean, the mm. two of them just look like a father daughter traveling. That's that's even that's gross. It's super gross. And the police just kind of continue to get a lot of false sightings, but again, at least they're on the right track. So now we fast forward to about three weeks of them missing, and they have made it all the way to California at this point. Damn. Yeah, they they hightailed it. it it's about a week difference from from their their last sighting, I guess. Right. Um, and police are still days or weeks behind behind them. And Tad and Elizabeth make it to San Diego, and Tad has this super genius, not genius plan oh, that no. he wants to take her to Mexico. Yep. Not only does he want to take her to Mexico, he wants to get her to Mexico in a kayak. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. It's hard enough to get there in a boat, like an actual boat for the sea. A kayak. But he's like, nope, we're going to get there in a kayak. And so they spend $1,000 to buy a kayak, and they try to go out and around the border. Mm-hmm. And, of course, no surprise, the elements are just way too treacherous. treacherous. Yeah. You know, they're like, we're going to fucking die out here. We got to turn around. So they do. They turn around. They head back to shore. And they even run into a police officer and dodge a major bullet because the police officer is like, oh, my gosh, I'm really glad to see that you guys made it back in safely. I was watching you go out there like as far as you were, and I was getting really, you know, kind of scared for you. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're back. Okay, thanks. Bye. And he's like, bye. Have a great day. And That's just it. walk away from this police officer. They've obviously ditched the Mexico idea, and so plan B is for them, again, to go off-grid, but, like, way, way off-grid. And they they had an iPad with them on their trip and had searched and found a place called the Black Bear Ranch, which was a commune in California. 
and it's like in Northern California area. And as they're heading out to this commune, they get lost. They're running out of gas on their way, and they make it to a small town called Cecilville, California. And when I say small, this town has like 50 people. Oh, that's small. So it's like an extended family that lives (laughs) in. Grandpa lives right down the road. Exactly. I have 10 cousins. Yeah. Yeah, a handful of aunts and uncles. So small. Okay, so just a little blip on the map. Just a little blip. Yep, okay. Like, probably doesn't even have a stoplight. And for those of you, if you're not in the U.S., I mean, California, in and of itself, it's kind of like its own little country. It really is. I say the same thing about Texas. Like, they're their own little country. You could travel for hours and still be in the same state. So... San Diego is like the bottom southern part of California. So mm-hmm. if they're traveling north from the bottom southern tip to the top tip, it's like a good 15 hours. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So a long drive, just so you guys can picture that. Mm-hmm. And that's not like at a crawling pace. That's no. like going 70 Yeah, at least. Yeah, and it's it, it really is it's like a its, own, its yeah. own little uh, country over there. So they make it to Cecilville, super small town, like I said, and it's in the middle of the wilderness, and it's really hard to blend in given the size of the population. They're not part of the of Cecilvilles. The <laughs> yeah, you're not going to go unnoticed if you're not someone yeah. that does, if you're someone that doesn't live there. And so they knew that they had to come up with a cover story, and they start going by the names of John and Joanna Castro. And so those were the names they used. They used fake ages to make their age gap not seem so drastic. They were married and lost their house in a fire in a fire in Colorado and that they were just traveling around trying to make ends meet. And while they were in Cecilville, they meet this guy by the name of Griffin Barry. He worked at like a local saloon gas station hybrid. The only one in like, town. Yeah. <laughs> The one spot in, yeah. in, in Cecilville. And Griffin is just like this really super sweet guy. He tries to help them out by putting $15 of gas in their tank and told them where he might be able to find like some odd work just to make a few oh, bucks. So too. they were broke at this time too. They were pretty broke at this time. Because they bought $1,000 kayaks. Exactly. Okay. That didn't get them to Mexico. No. No. And so he kind of points them in the direction of a friend of his named Pete, you know, like, go chat with him. He might have some work for you. And Pete didn't have any work at the time. But that $15 in gas allowed Tad and Elizabeth at least to continue on their journey still to the Black Bear Ranch. And they get there to the commune. The commune does take them in, but they were quickly asked to believe because... I mean, I've never lived on a commune, but from what I know, I mean, you have to contribute. You have to work. Yeah. Like, you earn your pay. You're, you're growing yeah. your own food. You're getting your own water. You're maintaining the, you know, the structure that you're living in. It's it's a big, you it's know, like a, it's a community. community exactly. You know? And so they weren't doing it's any like of any those things. Any other cult. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Tad and Elizabeth were kind of sleeping all day, and I believe that there was even an incident with one of the commune members where Tad kind of got, like, a little, like, verbally aggressive, Hmm. and they didn't really allow weapons or anything in the commune, and I think Tad had, like, some knives and stuff like that. Well, and his guns. And his guns. And I don't know that the guy knew about his guns, but for some reason, like, knives are really sticking out in my mind, which... I'm kind of like, well, you would kind of need those living on a commune, sure. maybe. But, um, you know, 
it's Northern Maybe California were, hippies, and I don't think Well, not only that, but it was probably more than just your regular kitchen knife. It was probably like a hunting knife right. or, you know, yeah. something that could cause some damage. It wasn't a butter knife. Right. Exactly. <laughs> a rusty butter knife. Yeah. Yeah. So they, were, they weren't having it, and they were quickly, quickly asked to leave. And so they head back to Cecilville, where they had just come from. Oh, and they meet back up with Griffin, who actually gave Tad some work helping move some rocks and stuff like that just to get a little money. And, again, Griffin is such a sweet guy. He's got, like, this little cabin off of one of his oh. properties or whatever. And he's like, why don't you guys just stay there for a while? You know, get your bearings, stay there for a couple nights. And, you know. That's really nice. Very hospitable. Yeah. Very nice guy. And so Griffin tells his friend Pete, like, hey, that couple that I that came and saw you the other day about work, they came back. I'm letting them stay in the cabin. And Pete's kind of suspicious because he remembers seeing and hearing something on the news about an older man with a, not a runaway 15-year-old, but... A kidnapped. A kidnapped. 15-year-old. Exactly. Yeah. And so Pete goes and gets a picture from the news and shows it to Griffin and is like, are these the two people? Oh, shit. And Griffin's like, yeah, those are them. And so they immediately call the police. Go, Pete, go. Go, Pete, go. Thank God you had reception in Cecilville. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. (laughs) I was thinking when you said he he was watching TV, I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Those bunny ears are working hard yeah, exactly. out there. exactly, those antennas yeah. picking up through all the wilderness. So at this point, um, Elizabeth and Tad had been gone for over a month. We're at day 37. And so Griffin and, P- and Pete had called the police, and a SWAT, team's arrived, a SWAT team arrives at the cabin at about 3 a.m. They ran the Colorado plate that had been stolen. So at this point... On the, Jill's on, plate. On their well, on their way to Cal to California, they had driven through Colorado, oh. and Tad had stolen a Colorado license plate while gotcha. they were there, and so they run this Colorado plate that's on the car, and it's registered to the same type of car that he's driving, but it's a stolen license plate. Kind of smart, but kind of smart, yeah. but still dumb. And so the SWAT team sneaks up on the cabin and they waited for daylight because they had arrived, you know, at 3 a.m. And the police know that he's armed and they don't want to take a, uh, a chance on a shootout or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So they kind of use Griffin as like a decoy to help lure the, them out. out of the cabin in the morning. And as soon as Griffin does that, the SWAT team just bombards them. Good. And they take them both into custody. So we're at April 21st, 2017. Elizabeth is taken back to Tennessee, and she's put in a safe house. Her condition is frail. I mean, she's just, like, not emaciated, but she's significantly smaller than when she was taken from home. And this is really only a little over a month. And so, I mean, she definitely wasn't eating healthy food food like she should have. And it was a really, really rough emotional transition. She, you know, once she was home, she would be laughing some days and distraught the next. She was still under the emotional handcuffs Mm -hmm. of Tad. You know, he had worked and ingrained this 
this learned behavior and this like dependence on him. And it was a really, really hard transition for her. And it was hard for her to understand that she had been a victim. She wasn't looking at herself like that this whole time. And it took months of therapy for her to realize that totally understandable. And she even disclosed to, I don't know if it was her therapist or somebody else, but she had disclosed to them that when Tad took her, he said, if I can't have you, I'll kill myself. Oh, shit. So oh also laying that guilt trip on her that if you don't do this, this is what I'm going to do Quite literally myself. the month-long guilt trip because mm-hmm. I'm sure that entire time she was in that car, I mean, not only do you already let your thoughts run wild while you're on a road trip, you know, like you're if you're sitting in the car with the person, mm-hmm. like those, qu- I'm oh God, I'm just like, there's so much I'm sure went through her head. Of course. During this entire time mm-hmm. and they're hiding and they're, you know, sneaking in and out of hotels and she's dyeing her hair and he's doing so much. So much. So confusing. Making her do so much. Exactly. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And for her to process all that, I don't think anyone would expect for her to do it immediately. Right. Absolutely. It takes some time. For sure. And I mean, this this abuse is so, like, in, ingrained in her. I mean, he gave her very little personal space. She couldn't go in, into a store by herself. Right. He would make her sleep naked. Oh and then God. he would put her clothes in, like, a different part of the room so that, you know, he was such a light sleeper that if she moved, he would wake up. Right. And even if she had to, like, get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, he would stand outside the bathroom door while she went to the bathroom. Oh, my God. Just gave her no personal space. I mean, she's just, like, literally trapped. And in in jail, just being in this guy's... Enslaved by this guy. Enslaved is a perfect way to put it. And she was afraid that he would kill her if she decided to leave. Yeah. She knows he has the guns. Yeah. She knows that he's already made comments of, if you don't come with me, I'll kill myself. Right. I mean, you couldn't not be terrified in this situation. And I'm sure if someone makes the comments to you, like, I would kill myself. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it would go through your mind. At least it would go through my mind. I'm like, if they're willing to kill themselves. They're going to do it to me. They're going to do it to me. Yeah. There's so no I'm problems. in danger. Exactly. Oh, poor girl. Exactly. And so with Tad's arrest in one of his first interrogations, and then this is with the FBI, he asked them, am, am I in trouble? Shut the fuck up, Tad. <laughs> and the FBI agent is just like, Sir, you've just been arrested by the FBI. (laughs) Yes. Not by Cecilville police. Not by Cecilville police. This is not your small town deputy. Like You're not in the jail slash deli slash post office. (laughs) Exactly. You are arrested by the FBI. So I'm just going to throw it out there that, yeah, you're you're in a little bit of trouble. A lot of bit of trouble. It's so laughable. But then this agent, you know, kind of says that throughout this, you know, interrogation after his first arrest that he is kind of showing, like, a sense of relief that it's over. Yeah. You know, like, that's not fun to be on the run like that. Like, you know you're going to get caught eventually. That anxiety 
just even hearing about it. Uh huh. Where you're paranoid, I'm sure, of everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, no. You're not sleeping well. You're no. not eating well. No. You're constantly in fight or flight mode. Like right. your adrenal glands are <laughs> fried at this point. Yeah. Like you you've you've nothing left to your being. So I can understand how this sense of relief would start to exude from him in, you know, in these initial interrogations. Am I in trouble? Am I in trouble? And he rambles about, like, being a father figure to her and, like, helping her leave a bad situation. And he refuses at the beginning to admit any sort of sexual relationship. I mean, he's not trying to incriminate himself right out of the get-go. But the police are determined to get this admission, obviously. And he finally gets emotional. And when they ask if he had sex with her, he trembles and says that he did. But then he tries to put the blame on Elizabeth by saying that she was a very sexual kid. Oh, stop it. But I just want to highlight the fact that he said she's a sexual kid. Mm-hmm. She, yes, she is a child. Yeah. No. It, no. You knew what you were doing, and you don't get to flip the switch and try to blame. Those two words don't belong together. N- no. Not at all. So it, They need to be on... Opposite sides of the world. Oh my God. You don't get to do that, sir. It's not, it's not accepted. And, you know, he tries to call his wife and ask for forgiveness. And Jill is like, in the most Christian way possible, she's like, hell no. Oh, good. <laughs> we are getting a divorce, sir. There's no level of me. And, and she does later say, you know, like, I have forgiven him. And, sure. and I, I get that. But, that's her um, peacemaking it, That's with her it. peacemaking. Yeah. But there's no, like, I forgive you. We're still going to continue a Good. relationship. Good for her. Not at She has all. kids. Yes. And, and, and no. No. She tried giving you the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it was already a bad situation. Yeah. And then on top of that, you went and pulled this fucking show. Exactly. Where... You kidnapped a kid for a month. Mm-hmm. Had sex with her on the run. Oh, my God. Every night. Across state lines over and over Across, again. Yeah, exactly. No, no. You don't get to just, like, get your normal life back after you no. do something like that. Um, ultimately, Tad was charged with crossing state lines with a minor for the purpose of having sex. Yep. And he was also charged with obstruction of justice. And this was for disposing of the cell phones. Oh, Okay. So they they got him on both of those charges, and by the time we get to January of 2019, Tad does end up pleading guilty to the charges, and Elizabeth gets her day in court to face him, and she is just, I mean, she's a wreck at this point. She's already gone through months of therapy to really try to digest what's happened, and I think at this point she's like, no, he's a he's a piece of shit. He's Good. a horrible, horrible man, but she's petrified to see him. And so they had to block her view of him in the courtroom. Wow. She's still shaking uncontrollably. Understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's been through so much and in and like two years she's been through losing her mom, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Her house being thrown I mean, just disheveled. Just exactly. And then going into public school, meeting this guy. What mm-hmm. a roller coaster. Such a roller coaster. Oh, poor girl. And just not really being set up for success for no. learning what these relationships are supposed to look like. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we've said a hundred times during this, he just totally take it, 
took advantage of that. Um, her victim impact statement was really powerful. Um, I would love to record this separately and maybe put it on the Patreon page okay. because I think her victim statement is really, really awesome. Strong. It's really strong. Um, I think it just really speaks to the growth of her therapy after, mm. you know, going through all of that, what he did to her, what he made her feel like, and then how strong she is finding herself Good. to be after this situation. And you guys can go and find this separately online if you if you want to look it up on your own and you're not a Patreon. But um, yeah, maybe. Ultimately, Tad's sentence was 20 years in prison. He's oh, scheduled good. to be released in 2034. And he <laughs> he even had the nerve to blame the devil for his actions. Shut up. <laughs> he just is is trying so hard, even though he pleaded guilty, he's really trying to opt out of any option to take responsibility yeah. for what happened. Right. So his final straw is just to blame the devil, which... Yeah. Okay. Unless you named your... Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even say it. No. Because it's... It's, it's hard, and... Oh gosh... You know, being being religious, like to a certain extent, to like a little, little, little extent, I'm mm-hmm. like, sure, blame the devil, sure, but ninety percent, you are also the vessel that carried out is you. You had a choice every day, every day. every moment, uh huh, to stop. You were not deemed incompetent for trial. You right. are not powerless to anything other than you having no willpower around a 15 year old God. you disgusting piece of shit not only not he had all the power and it just he uh, he abused it mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and used his authority to do so as a teacher oh my god you know they're supposed to be one of our most trusted yeah Everyday people. Everyday people that yeah. you lean into in the most vulnerable years of your life. Right. Your forming years. Exactly. So Elizabeth, Elizabeth's family ended up suing the school district for not promptly reporting the sexual encounter to the police. Good. The case was settled for $650,000, and the school district still admitted to outward. Well, they didn't admit and the school district still would not admit to any outward fault in the situation. Oh, they felt like they up. had done what they needed to do to address the situation, which I think myself and you <sighs> and hopefully everyone listening would strongly disagree that no, they did not. Just even for the simple fact that they didn't even call her dad. Not only that, but I think with an accusation like that, with that much gravity on it, mm-hmm. You would put that teacher on suspension until otherwise. Exactly. Because that allegation is serious. And, oh, my gosh, to, like, allow him to be in the classroom still with kids, Mm -hmm. not only would it, you know, pose a threat potentially for other kids. Right. um, But... 
I'm sure the kids are distracted by being in his class and knowing these accusations are flying around. Well, I was going to say, just for the whole dynamic of yeah. the student body, like, yeah, you're still going to let a teacher report to school every day. And if I was even a parent of one of the other kids that wasn't involved yes. and I caught wind of this story, I would be like, um, no, you need to remove him. Right. Or my child is not going to go to his class, so you need to find somewhere else yeah. for my child to go, and you can excuse their grade. And, yeah. It's no. just like any other profession, I think. You know, if you think of a cop or if you think of, you know, any corporate position, if you're accused of something that is so bad, the company will say, I'll take the financial hit. You're leaving with pay right. until we figure out whether you're still worth having in our company on our job or exactly. whatever. And especially when someone's being a physical threat to these kids, how do you keep them in the classroom? Seriously. I know. It's, it it so blows, this blows was, my mind. This was contained in the school, though. Just the school, so not like superintendents or the school board, right? Not that, not that I was able to find. It kind of looks like it maxed out at the, the principal's principal. call. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how much further it went beyond that. But happy news, Elizabeth today, she's 21 years old. She's in a wonderful relationship with a guy that she married. She has a son of her own and her, she speaks out and her advice to other young girls is to set boundaries. Don't do things that you don't want to do and not to be afraid to say something if something feels wrong. Yeah. Which I think is great advice. You know, like trust trust your gut instinct. We've all found ourselves in those situations where, you know, something doesn't feel quite right. And whether that's, you know, because of the age and you haven't been exposed to something yet or you've, you know, witnessed something or, you know, we just have intuitions. Yes. And so don't ever be afraid to say something if something doesn't feel right. That gut is right unless you eat cheese. But (laughs) I mean, girl, yes, at 34, that (laughs) statement is so true. It is so true. But, you know, at least for me, my dad growing up taught me it's okay to be the uncool kid mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when it comes to drugs, alcohol, or like jumping off bridges. Right. He was like, it's okay to say no. Right. What's the worst that's going to happen if they laugh at you or if they defriend you? Then are they really your friends? Exactly. You know, um, and that's, I guess, more in a kid to kid situation. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it goes to say, like, if you're uncomfortable, it's okay to say something. Right. And if you're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And you, you shouldn't you, be you made don't have feel to explain uncomfortable. It any further than that. Right. Yeah. I don't feel right about this. Uh-huh. It just doesn't, you know, look right. I I know this is wrong or this doesn't I, feel safe. Right. Yeah. Or this is sneaky or, you know, mm-hmm. something if there's any red flag, it's okay to say I'm uncomfortable. This is not okay. I'm walking away mm-hmm. or just plain no. Exactly. That's all you need to and say. And not to blame you... her in this situation. I'm just talking in general. For just, sure. It's okay to say no. I think some people, even as adults, mm-hmm. it's okay to say no. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a word I don't know how to use very well. Right. Same. Still. Yeah. And um, you're allowed to. You're allowed to. You can say no mm-hmm. to things. And I mean, 
God, this yeah. guy is just a piece of shit. Truly wild. I did he? Is there any other allegations that he ever did this to another kid? So there was an interview with a student um, before Elizabeth that. C- Obviously, it didn't get this intense, but she does talk right. about Tad giving her special attention, and I think she was a piano player, and, like, he knew how to play piano as well, and he played her a song one day that, like, now looking back on it, she was like, oh, the lyrics were kind of, like... Inappropriate. Um, yeah, inappropriate, suggestive, mm. but her family ended up moving, like, before her senior year. So I think that she got out of the situation before things really, really intensified. Yeah. But she is somebody who has kind of spoken out, I guess you could say, on Elizabeth's behalf to kind of validate even, not that she needs much more validation, but hey, this isn't the first time that he's tried this on somebody. And so the the relationship with her and him never reached the level of, of... you know, sexuality that, you know, Elizabeth experienced, but yeah, she speaks out about, I think it could have gone that way. Right. Yeah. It sounds like maybe, like you said, took that position as a teacher to put himself in that environment. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Elizabeth's situation catered to what he knew he could dig his claws into. Exactly. Yeah. He picked... He picked the wounded doe right. in the room yeah. and totally... I'm glad she came out of that yeah, stronger. Me too. It's it's a sad but also beautiful story about her comeback Yeah, and being able to... Because that's a lot to go through. So, so much. I it, it's, it's hard for me to imagine how one really truly comes back from a situation like this and yeah. to be able to go on and live a normal healthy life and have a good relationship and get married and have kids and all that stuff. Obviously not saying it's impossible, but I think that's a really hard road for for most, for for most people. I don't know personally how I would. Yeah. It would have been been one thing had this stopped at the, the kiss that was seen at the school. Mm -hmm. Although things had already happened, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess the, the path would have been different to recovery. Yeah. But after, on top of that, going through this traumatic month-long kidnap situation. Exactly. Is just magnificent that she came out on the other side of that. And, you know, maybe a little bit of a silver lining. Maybe she wouldn't have gone and gotten the type of professional help that she needed if it had stopped at the kiss. Right. Because other things had already started to happen at that point. Right. And, you know, lucky for her, maybe she got that type of help because of how intensely things progressed. progressed. Yeah. And is probably in a way better place and mental state and personal Good. space than she could have been. So. Yeah. So I know it wasn't a, a, a murder story, you guys, but I thought it was worth covering because the whole thing just really blew my mind and nothing grosses me out quite like grooming. Grooming. And the you know, an adult taking advantage of a situation mm-hmm. like that. But speaking of Amber Alert, Ooh. there's a new documentary. I think it's Hulu. It might be HBO. It's one of the H's. Um it's the story behind the Amber for the Amber Alert. Oh, I've seen. Totally I, recommend. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Totally recommend. I had heard about Amber's case. Yes. But in this documentary, um, it went deeper into what was happening in her life before that, uh-huh. which was mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll tell you right off the bat in, in the trailer, so I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, they just happened to be recording a documentary on the mom and her two kids, mm-hmm. Amber and her brother, about a mom coming off of welfare and trying to get better in life and uh-huh. come off of that. So when this happened with Amber, there was an endless amount of footage, which was like never before seen mm-hmm. in a missing kids case. Right. So it kind of changed the game of, you know, how a kid is reported. So it's just very, very interesting. You know, as much as Amber Alert is a thing now, right. it used to not even be a thing. Exactly. Um, and her mom used this you know, her daughter's case as a platform for advocacy Mm -hmm. to help find missing kids. And of course it's helped hundreds of kids be recovered. So definitely worth a watch. I mean, you're here, you're listening to true crime. I would invite you to learn the history on the Amber Alert. Yeah. I did remember seeing something coming out about that documentary and I'm glad that you brought it up because I do want to watch that a hundred percent. Yeah. So, Hey, that's all. That's a good case. Um, thank you. Yeah, so let's see. We have Patreon stuff going out here shortly. Yeah, and then we'll we, we'll probably put this extra content up for you guys, too, to have that. But um, Super cool. Yeah, let us know where you put the patches. We're excited to see that. Yeah. I want to see that. We've got places picked for ours, so maybe yes. we can yeah share it and tag us so we can have, like, a cool little story up on our Instagram or something. Yeah, that would be fun. Patches. So, yeah, you guys have a good week and we'll catch you on the next episode. So don't be a stranger. Be a stranger, Ranger. Yeah. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.